Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of About Life with Caleb and Ellen. Hello. Hi. Okay, you're still there. That's good. Yes. We've been having some technical issues, everyone. So yeah, that's why we're we're sort of like checking in and to see if everything's good. Uh so Caleb, um, could you please explain yourself why you've been absent? Explain myself. Yeah. The yeah, same yeah. old story. Yeah. Oh. It's the same old, same old. So um yeah, so I guess with my uh with my position I have to I get a bunch of stuff to do in a month and I have to get it done by the end of that month, otherwise uh, I'm basically slowing down everyone else in the production line, so sure. I need to get it done. So, um, yeah, it's like uh, typically end of the month is uh, quite busy. Sometimes the start of the month because sometimes there's a little bit of uh, overflow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is the state of it. And there is a screaming baby behind me, but he is gone now. Done. Anyway. What's on the agenda today, Alan? What's going on in the world? What are you afraid of? What are you happy about? What's going on? Um, super, super stoked um, that I started my new job this week. Oh, by the way, I meant to ask you. Um, See. Uh, <laughs> um, you're putting me, you're uh, got, caught me off guard with that uh, Spanish there. Um, you were talking uh, a few podcasts back how your boss, your ex-boss now, uh, found out that you were looking for other jobs. How did she take your uh, your kind of your your quitting of that job? Um, she took it all right. Um, so when I got back from Houston, and then I got COVID, she called up to check up on me and. When she did, she also asked me, so I noticed that you've been asking people about jobs on LinkedIn. So, (laughs) um, yeah, note to everyone that's on LinkedIn, if you are connected with your boss. (laughs) (laughs) Hot red-handed. Disconnect and then uh, do all the other stuff. Um, So, yeah, she found out. Is LinkedIn still a thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, people still use it. It is big? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's still I huge. Use it like years. It's huge. Sorry. It's huge. Um, huge. So she found out. She asked me about it. And I said, yeah, you know what? I am looking, but I don't have anything. I'm just doing my research. And that's it. And that's exactly what was it. And this was, what, three months ago? Almost four months ago now. Mm-hmm. So... She was like, cool. She's been, yeah. pre- she's been prepared for the uh, inevitable, uh, you know, Ellen jumping ship. Yeah. So I told her that I will let her know first thing if I did find something. Obviously, I never did. And then um, I had I had a job that was supposed to be full time turned into a three month contract. Mm-hmm. So they kind of screwed me over on that and then i decided you know what that's that's a great backup plan i'm gonna run with it um 
I'm just going to go to Mexico and I'm going to just tell my boss, like, hey, look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to move there. I'm going to work there. Maybe let's start off as part-time while we adjust. Um, and this was probably three, four weeks ago that I told her, three weeks ago. And this was straight after the full-time job turned into a three-month job. And then I got approached by this company after sending out a an application. And I got job within like a week or two. And so after that, I had to tell my boss again, hey, this is what's happening. Actually, no, I told her maybe like, yeah, four or five weeks ago. No. Yeah, so I told her four weeks ago and then the following week I had to tell her again that I got a job and that I am leaving at this time hmm. and then I said hey look I'm happy to stay on for 20 hours till the end of the year because the project is coming to an end and my co-worker who's the other designer will still need some sort of support to get things done because you know having just one designer just is enough time and she said, no, we, if you've got a full-time job, then just go do that. We, it's best that we hire someone else. I said, look, I appreciate that. But at the same time, I know that my coworker, Emily, she'll be not only flooded with work, but then she'll have to train this new person, help them understand the product. Mm -hmm. And then they would have to learn where to find the files. And I said, look, it's only 20 hours or it could just be freelance. It could just be by the hour, right? Right. Whenever you need me, I'll jump on. And so she said she would talk to Emily first and then she did. And Emily was like, yeah, you know what? That's probably a lot easier for me because I don't have to train anyone. So that was all agreed. And that was probably two, three weeks ago now. Yeah. Three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And so I start today as part-time. So my new employers, they were really trying to push for rather than four weeks notice, two weeks notice. And I said, look, let me go and try and negotiate. Let me see what I can do. But out of respect for my current employer, who's been, you know, well, current, I should say former, my former employer, um, you know, they've been very good to me. They've taken care of me. And so I want to do them. I want to do the right thing. Yeah so yeah so right now i'm working 20 hours on each side um today is the official first day that i started working mm. yeah how was it slightly hectic as you could probably imagine trying to not only work with three different times but time zones but in two different companies it's challenging i think once i move things will be a whole lot easier because I will essentially be working full time at that other place during the day up to like 5, 5 p.m. And then after that, if there is any more work with this former employee, employer, sorry, then I'll do work there and I'll still get my weekends. It's, it's not like I'm going to miss out on anything. So, yeah, it's going to be a huge change. It is November the 2nd today. Um as we're recording this and I am leaving in 22 days. Ooh, it's getting real now. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was two weeks ago that I got my 
Mexican visa, so that's sorted. I've booked my Airbnb, so that was that was a bit of a you know bit of admin work on its own, doing research and find the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of my best friends here was like, "Hey, like you know, he's gonna go overseas for New Year's and Christmas." I said. Actually, I really want to go to New York. Do you want to join me? Hmm. It was like, that's a great idea. Let's do it. So we booked tickets. We've booked accommodation as well. So that's all set to go. Really looking forward to New York from the 23rd to the 3rd of Jan. So 23rd of December to the 3rd of Jan. And then after that, it's back to Mexico. And then... Potentially, I might see my mom after the New Year's. So I'm thinking about going back for Chinese New Year's for two weeks. Yeah. Well, that'd be cool. It sounds uh, very, very busy. Yeah, it's going to be very busy for me up until, I'd say at least until I get back from Taiwan and then back to Mexico. It's going to be quite a bit of, um, yeah, turbulence. But... I think I'll be able to get it done. Yeah. Awesome. So that's what's been happening. Um, Nothing crazy, I guess. Just a lot of admin, a lot of selling stuff. Um, Yeah. But speaking of crazy, um, the world is crazy right now. A lot of... um, I don't know if you saw, but in Brazil, so this is part of our agenda today, which is a segue. The Brazilian election, Lula won with 50.9% over Bolsonaro's 49.1%. Mm-hmm. So Lula was the previous president, and he was not able to run last election round because of. I think it was convictions of, what was that again? Bribery? I don't know. Corruption. Corruption. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know the I don't know the full story. I just heard it was a very close race. And uh, was it the current guy was saying that he might not accept the outcome? <laughs> I he, think that still remains to be seen uh, how that's going to work out. Yeah, I think he's... Ooh. I think he's conceded, um, Mm. but he did not mention anything about, you know, let me see what the news says today. (laughs) Bolsonaro avoids acknowledgement defeat in post-election speech. So he did not acknowledge that he was defeated or he lost. He just Mm -hmm. basically, you know. This is what's going on. You have a new leader. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. This is very interesting because Bolsonaro is far right, um, mm-hmm. which also leads to one of our other topics, which is how the EU um, or a lot of European countries right now are leaning far right, but Brazil is going far left again with Lula. It's a bit of a, yeah. Yeah, just... it's interesting. It's interesting. Hey, uh, 
the, the nobody's nobody's like uh there's no centrist kind of parties or <laughs> you know like groups maybe in new zealand i think new zealand is kind of centrist um is but it... ever, everywhere else it's like it swings wildly from one side to the other you know it feels like you know there's too much you know they go too far on the right and then they swing back you know onto the left and then all the left goes too far and then they swing back it just like sort of it's like a pendulum you know um fair yeah i'd say it's i don't know i don't i don't i don't see the current new zealand um government being centralist at all though i feel like they're a bit more lefty than 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 centralist. definitely center left yes but yeah, what, yeah. What, what i'm saying is it's like in new zealand it doesn't swing that far like sure. we don't have like we don't have like new zealand first in charge yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, yep. so um, I, I think there, there. I think there are a lot of things that National and Labor do agree on. It's just they attack each other because they're meant to be opposite. You know, they want to be in yeah. charge, and the other one wants to be in charge. But I think there's a lot of overlay. Um, I mean, if you look at some of the, um, you know, laws and things that they've brought in on both sides, like if you didn't know who it was coming from, I think some of these laws you would think. They were from the same party, but um, they weren't. So I think in general, it's kind of like center left, center right. We don't have like definitely right, definitely left. Maybe, maybe now, but <laughs> mm. definitely, definitely before when I was back in New Zealand, it wasn't it wasn't swinging too far. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of want to talk a bit about how Europe is swinging super right, though, like. Do you know much about this, um, especially with the most recent election of Italy? Uh, I can't remember her name, but her and her brother's I think one. Th- I think there is kind of like a general feeling within the population that that the left is more willing to give out the money and take on more debt mm-hmm. um, for social programs and things like that, whereas right is a little bit more economically conservative mm-hmm. i think that's the general feeling and i think in truth that's probably correct as well um minus uh you know when they go to war but you know in, in the ue in in the eu that doesn't um really happen you know it's mostly uh, there was mostly a comment about the us um so i think there's a feeling uh you know covid and of course the, the lockdown stuff doesn't help right and mm-hmm. generally speaking, right-leaning parties, they kind of have this idea of, uh, you know, self-determination and, you know, not trying to lock people down and, you know, let people decide, yep. uh, you know, that sort of stuff. So I think there is a general feeling that people, they don't want that same thing to happen. Um, so they, you know, possibly will, you know, vote the other way. And I think that that might, you know, that sort of feeling is is kind of what's permeating the U.S. right now. It seems I don't know. I don't have any hard data. It's kind of anecdotal and what I see online, but it kind of feels like, you know, uh, the Democrats were leading during, you know, the sort of tail end of COVID, and I think there's a lot of feeling, you know, with the immigration um, issue on the border. Uh, the sort of continued lockdown and uh, you know mandates and things like that. 
Um, I think characters like DeSantis is looking more and more appealing to a lot of people. Is um, he even the one in Florida? Yeah, so uh, the Republican, um, well, he's the, uh, what do you call it? The um, governor. Yeah, sorry, the governor of uh, of Florida. He uh, he doesn't swing too far to the right, where it's kind of super crazy. I think a lot, of, you know, a lot of Democrats would disagree with that. Um, mostly, probably around that. Don't say gay bill. That doesn't say don't say gay. <laughs> but, oh yeah, uh, I remember that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think yeah, that, that kind of stuff kind of riles those people up. But I think there is. If I, I remember, I watched a uh, an interview where. Mm. There was, I think it was somebody on CNN was talking to a libertarian, a Democrat, and a, a Republican, and literally they were, I would say probably like eighty percent on in line with each other. Mm-hmm. So they they all said there's too much crime. You know, we need to tackle this crime issue because people are just taking advantage and going crazy. Yeah. Um. You know, we want to ease up on the mandates. You know, like get the government out of our houses and, you know, like, you know, stop forcing us to do certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, surprisingly, especially on the Democratic side, uh, less of this kind of, uh, I guess I'd call it woke, progressive, uh, sexual, gender studies stuff, you know, that's sort of is big in the news right now. So uh, I think, yeah, and it's just kind of like going back to what I was saying before where, you know, the pendulum swings, you know, like maybe the left went too far this time. And then, you know, even the left, some of the left are saying like, no, no, we're going to go back to, you know, a bit more central. So it sort of, it feels like it kind of is swinging back. um, But Mm. I think that's going to be to the advantage of the Republicans in this case for the midterms and then. I'm not sure how it's going to translate to, um, so, you know, the, the elections coming up in 2024, I think it is. So who is exactly running for the midterms again on the Republican side? Is it, is it still like, like, is midterms still a thing where they, sorry, I don't know how midterms work, but I'm assuming that it's something to do with Republicans getting involved. Is it just a majority of the seats in parliament or what is it? Uh, I'm kind of with you there. I don't know exactly the the full gamut of what that entails. Okay. Um, But I think it's mostly to do with um, the House Congress, you know, like determining who has more, I guess, uh, voting power within Mm -hmm. those branches of of the government. Mm -hmm. So they're not, obviously, they're not electing a new president or anything like that. Okay. Um, But, you know, the true power in the U.S., uh, system is is is, is in Congress because you know there's things that Trump was trying to do. You know, he had all these grand plans, and every it felt like everything he was trying to do um, was basically vetoed in the Congress. So you want to have your party who has kind of like a you know a, a single goal in mind to have more more of a, a voting more voting power um, to pass through or deny laws that they approve or disapprove of so yeah uh, it's definitely advantageous to have a majority for your party in that in that regard yeah so you're right it is the house of representatives um and i guess this would determine whether or not the bills go through because you know if there are more republicans than there are 
Democrats, then, you know, certain bills won't get through. So it is a big, uh, you know, it is a big deal. But from what mm. it seems in history, uh, it kind of feels like typically midterms, it will swing the other way most times. So it's not really like, you know, like unheard of or, you know, a, a unique event. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, very interesting. Man, it's it's been funny because, uh, you know, we all know that uh, Mr. Musk has bought Twitter now. It's kind of all finalized. Um, and to be honest, I up until about two weeks ago, I didn't use Twitter at all. Mm-hmm. I had an account, but I never used it. Uh, yeah. Whenever I went on Twitter, I kind of just didn't get what it was about. You know, like people were posting stuff and, you know, nothing really it didn't connect with me until I figured out that you have to start following. It's just the way that the algorithm works. You start following certain people, especially mm-hmm. on both sides of anything. Mm-hmm. And it quickly fills up your feed with a bunch of stuff that's related to that. And quite honestly, in the last couple of days, it's been a lot of fun. Um, just watching, <laughs> watching the disaster that <laughs> that is unfolding. Uh, it, it's it's quite funny. So, what I'm kind of like that Michael Michael Jackson meme of him um, from the thriller video where he's just sitting down eating popcorn and watching. <laughs> it's quite yeah. funny. I'm not getting involved at all. I'm not tweeting anything. You know the stuff. If you go to my, I'm not going to post my my handle, but if you go to my um, profile on Twitter, I'm just like um, you know retweeting like you know memes and like a 100. 20 year old singing bird mechanism <laughs> a video i saw or mm-hmm. a video of lightning that i saw so i'm just like i'm posting like you know generic stuff but then you know i'm my feed is just filled up with like oh t- you know tim paul going off on the left you know like um you know complaining about this whole pelosi home invasion thing you know like all these sort of conspiracies of you know what's what and all this sort of stuff mm. and then you have you know the other side and you're like um uh what was it oh uh, yesterday i saw one jimmy kimmel calling elon Musk a piece of shit and <laughs> it's just like i'm just like i'm just like it's just like it's, it's almost like a tv you know drama that is unfolding in front of my eyes it's quite mm-hmm. funny but it's also kind of scary and a little bit sad <laughs> at the same time so from your experience with, with Twitter now, how do you see yourself using it? Or do you see yourself just continue to be a meme troll? I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm, I'll let me be clear. I'm not trolling anyone. No, I'm no just, I know that. I'm literally just observing. And it's, you know, I'll like the odd, uh, you know, tweet that somebody puts out that I think is witty. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm not like, I'm not like trying to argue with people. I'm just, I'm yeah. purely the great thing about twitter is okay so i'm I'm fascinated with the whole ufo topic right you know Mm -hmm. this and um just so people know i'm agnostic but probably lean to disbelief rather than belief Mm -hmm. um but i'm I'm completely open to it but um so i follow uh people like uh what's his name james fox who does um, some very, very good documentaries on the topic. Okay. Uh, I follow, um, what's his name? Uh, Theory of Everything podcast, Kurt. Uh, He does a lot of stuff on aliens. 
Okay. He's a, a super smart dude. Hit, you know, uh, I think he did a PhD in physics or something like, you know, super smart dude. And he knows his stuff, but he's very, very, uh, I would say he recently, it feels like he's quite obsessed with the topic, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So I follow his stuff. I follow a bunch of different people on that side. Um, but then I also follow people like Mick West, who is like probably the most well-known UFO skeptic who basically will dismantle, will try and dismantle you know, anything that those guys post. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally, I will just, you know, view both sides without an opinion. Do you know what I mean? And then yeah. just try and, it's almost like a debate, try and see who comes up with the best argument for or against, right? Um, so for right now, I think Mick West has made a, you know, obviously there's still some ambiguity because of stuff that's classified and all that sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. I think in general, there's a sort of, conventional explanation to a lot of the stuff that you see now that people say is ufos and technically ufo is just unidentified it doesn't mean aliens yeah um so and but i think mick west has done a lot of good work to dispel a lot of the stuff that people you know even joe rogan's uh the stuff that joe rogan has posted and saying like you know these are you know alien drones or something like what is that um, Mick West has clearly pointed out that that is not the case with mm-hmm. evidence. So um, it, right now I, I'm kind of, you know, on the Mick West side, but who knows, uh, like, you know, a month ago I was listening to a lot of Lou Elizondo who was working for the Department of Defense yeah, in that area. You were a bit of a fanboy for him, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm still am, am a fanboy. I, I, you know, I think there's some stuff that he is not sharing because he's under NDA. Which is mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm, my, I'm trying to form my opinion purely on what's actually available to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to like, you know, fill in the gaps, you know, with imagine imaginative uh, ideas or, or something like that. Which I think a lot of people on the, on the pro UFO thing, um, a lot of them do that sort of stuff. They kind of fill mm-hmm. in the blanks. And people like Mick West are guilty of that too. But the way that he frames it is, I think, or um, it may be, or, you know, that sort of stuff. He's not saying like, yes, definitely. Or, you know, all this sort of stuff, but, um, there's just not enough information to get the clearest picture. So, but for right now, I think I'm probably leaning pro McWest at this point. Okay. But I think that's what Twitter's good at doing. I think that's the reason why I want to stick around on Twitter is because you get to see these arguments where you'd be like, oh, that's a good argument. And then you look down the thread and you'd be like, oh no, somebody's done a counter to that. That's even more compelling. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's where I sit on the whole Twitter thing. Would you say that it is <laughs> probably taking too much of your attention away from you though? I definitely can get wrapped up where you just sort of get into this um, thing where you're just, you know, trying to read what everyone's yeah. thinking and stuff. But, you know, a lot of the same ideas get, propagated and retweeted by the same you know by different people when it's kind of like you 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 do start to see the same messages kind of getting repeated so um and and i'm not i think this is the approach that everyone should view twitter in this kind of vein is take everything with a grain of salt unless somebody can provide actual hard evidence and links and stuff like that uh because yeah like i'm i'm seeing stuff where like uh you know, 
people on the left are saying, um, for instance, um, let me just talk about this Pelosi thing, mm-hmm. um, where people were like, he was, you know, the, the perpetrator was spouting, you know, alternative uh, alt-right uh, conspiracy theories and QAnon stuff and blah, 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 which typically is associated with the right, but also the left is also, you know, people that were Democrats were also getting into it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then people were pointing out, well, look, look at, you know, there's um, people like his neighbors and even his ex-wife or ex-girlfriend or whatever who were getting interviewed and saying that literally this guy was, you know, um, having psychotic breaks. You know, he wasn't mentally stable. It wasn't like a alternative right terrorist attack against the left. It was like this guy actually is nuts, you know, like irregardless, irregardless, regardless of his political leanings like he'd be crazy he'd be a crazy left person or a crazy right person it's kind of not you know whatever Mm. um so you you know you get these alternative uh viewpoints and you just have to look for the the real evidence that you know and if you can't find the evidence then you just you have to stay ambiguous you can't sorry it has to stay ambiguous you can't just like you know make it up on the spot or to say yes this is fact when you just don't have the facts so yeah my concern with getting into twitter and i probably would never get into twitter um would be that hearing too many people's opinions that i won't be able to formulate my own although it's good to be able to see the different sides i do feel like if you get like you said if you get too caught up or too wrapped up yeah. Then you just start believing, not necessarily one side of the idea, but you won't be able to formulate your own. Um, yeah. So that's why I, I tend to stay off it. I do use Twitter for um, finding work. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> actually one of the ways that you can use Twitter is to connect with people. And sometimes there are people that are probably well-connected or a bit higher up in terms of their career and they will post uh, a tweet out asking their network to put anything down like hey if you got a role for in this shirt here and that's sort of how i um networked for but there um honestly this this journey to finding a job has led me down so many paths and that was one of them is literally reaching out to random people on twitter <laughs> yeah, yeah. and saying hey look um we'd love to chat more about this role that you um basically tweeted and um you have time to chat over linkedin yeah yeah, mm. yeah let's do that and so yeah i mean that's how i use twitter and i find it especially if you're in the states it's very helpful um because most jobs are still you know located in the states um and i also recently understood why um my life up until this point and maybe for the next few years have been so heavily impacted by the states right like i finally understood like okay it's the reserve currency and all that and how that impacts everything and how everything's traded with that so yeah i'd say i'm still trying to get into the u.s i think um i actually went to so it was it was Labor Weekend last week, Monday. Tuesday, I actually went to see a lawyer. 
to um, apply for what they called a diversity visa lottery green card. Mm -hmm. And have you heard of that? Yeah, you mentioned it uh, on the last podcast. Yeah. So I went there Tuesday. It's essentially paid the guy $400 plus GST um, just to sit there and look at my form for 46 minutes. So no, you're paying for the pleasure of getting that green card. Yeah. So, so I sent that out. And I mean, he still provides some good sort of immigration advice and what not to do, what what to do during this time. Um, but yeah, I'm still debating on whether or not I want to get into the US, mainly because, and I've said this before, like right now with my temporary resident visa, I, if I continue to live on like I do, you know, I don't have to pay any tax. I, I don't. Like, if I continue mm-hmm. to live in Mexico, um, I mean, eventually I'll have to be a resident, a permanent resident, and then I'll have to pay tax. So I guess the argument there is like, well, then where would you rather pay, US or Mexico? It's like, uh, I don't really know. Um, but I wouldn't have to pay any tax here in New Zealand. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not quite sure what to do yet on that end. Um, but I think for anyone that's looking for a job, using Twitter to find it, especially if you're in the States, is a great way to do it. Let's go. Mm. Um, so bringing it back to Elon Musk, what is he doing with it now? Like, I know he canned a lot of people, but what's next? Like, what's on the agenda for him? So it was kind of a rocky, rocky road there. So uh, I don't know if he initiated this or not, but uh, there was word on the street that he, uh, there was people, he was sort of firing people left, right and centre. And I don't know if you saw this bit, uh, but there was some dudes who had nothing to do with Twitter who left the Twitter building with some boxes and told uh, waiting news media that they were ex-employees, that they had just been fired by uh, Elon Musk, and uh, it turned out to be a complete hoax. Um, one of them was uh, had a last name of Ligma, and okay. the other guy had a last name of Johnson, so Ligma Johnson, which obviously is a sh- sexual joke. Your face is kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Ligma, if you say it in a certain way, it sounds like lick my. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I got it. <laughs> I got it. Okay, okay. Um, so, but and uh, you know, mainstream media was reporting and inv- interviewing these people, um, and they became instant celebrities because they basically trolled those guys. Um, Johnson, uh, when he left, he was like, um, he was like, yeah, I'm just I'm like, he said something like, I'm just really sad. Like, you know, I got to get out of here. I got to go meet up with my husband and my wife. Um, you know, and he said it with a straight face, and like everyone, like everyone on Twitter was like, you know, like how did they not, how did they not clue on to this? You know, like anyway. So I, I don't know if that was instigated by Elon Musk or if you know people were just you know having some fun with it. Um, but you know, he walks in with a sink, you know, on his first day, and then he I says, that. "Let that sink in." Um. 
So uh, he apparently he dissolved the the board of directors, mm-hmm. uh, but he said that that was a te- temporary thing. Uh, I'm not too sure what that means. Whether he's going to replace those people with people that he likes, or if it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's all speculation at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from what I've, I no, I don't know this, about this hundred percent, but he's talked about. Uh, so he owns the domain x.com. I think it's x.com. Sure. Uh, which was which was his former business. I can't remember what it was. It was like uh was it mapping or money or something? Um so he he bought back the domain name that he had uh when he sold that company. And mm-hmm. uh he's talked about making an app called the X app. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I heard whispers that Twitter might become basically a part of the x app and the x app the x app is going to be like a lifestyle app so basically you'd be able to do lots of different things with it like doing payments you know like uh, digital payments and um, all that sort of stuff so it's going to be something that you like even excuse me even if you don't use the twitter aspect of it maybe twitter will kind of evolve into sort of like a facebook thing where it's like um, a a social network for connecting with people rather Mm. than just sort of like a you know discord kind of arena um i can see the time's running out so i gotta speed this up uh so i think he's gonna basically make that x app and then integrate twitter into that somehow or make twitter into the x app um and sort of develop the app to be more than just what twitter is right now i think that's why he decided to really instead of fighting um you know the the lawsuit around not buying twitter to actually go ahead with it because I think that was his goal anyway. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that's what's happening on that front. And then, of course, a lot of people are saying, you know, like uh, we don't want, uh, you know, a billionaire who seems to have right-leaning, uh, you know, sympathies to the right. We don't want that kind of person involved with, you know, this platform. So, you know, lots of people are threatening to to leave. Uh, and so that's been pretty funny to watch because – you, they'll say stuff like, I think I'm going to leave, but not actually leave. They just say that they will leave, but not actually do anything about it. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of interesting to watch. Let's, but let's take pick this... this up in a second. Yeah. All right. Let's do that. Yeah. So incorporating Twitter into X.com. And I feel like the whole, the whole, you know, thing with people saying, I'm going to jump off the platform is, very similar to what people did with Spotify. <laughs> yeah. They say, I'll do it. I'll do it. Don't threaten me. I'll do it. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't there like an old singer? I don't know. I don't see. That's how, un, how not important that he, he is. So yeah, I'm going to get off the platform. Oh, hold up. Are you talking about Neil Young? Yeah. Neil Young, I guess. I think yeah. he did pull, I did. I think he did actually pull his music off. No, but then Unless, he got back on again. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. I didn't know about that. Um, I don't know if he did, but I know a lot of people did. Right. Yeah, because they were like, oh, that's actually uh, losing me a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> let's go, exactly. Let's right? go back on there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, look, that's... <laughs> that, I, I think the same thing is happening here right now with um, Twitter, and uh, I wouldn't be too worried, but... Then again, it might be a good thing. Might be a good thing that people do get off. I don't know to a lot of people. Might be a good that they actually 
not spend so much time on it. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he's uh, he's talked about taking Twitter open source, uh, which I think is the best the best uh, course of action. Now, you know, people, you know, the people complaining that they're going to leave are complaining about, you know, the sudden rise of the word, the N word, you know, five hundred percent rise in the, you know, um, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how many of those people are saying, you know, literally tweeting that because now that you know, the the Twitter overlords have been kicked off, you know, there's less likely chance of them getting banned or something like that. Mm. So they're kind of, I, I've seen a lot of people tweeting stuff you know, controversial things basically to test the waters. Like, can I tweet this? You know, mm. so they, you know, I think there's a bunch of people tweeting stuff that they don't necessarily believe. They're just sort of seeing, you know, how the maximum offense I can post, you know, what what's the maximum offense I can post? Yeah. So, and the thing is, nobody has to engage with those people. You don't have to engage with that stuff. You don't have to say anything about that stuff. You know, you don't have to talk to those people. You can avoid those people. Um, I think having Twitter start to lean on one side is very bad. I think if you were really passionate about, you know, your views and, um, you know, your belief in those views that you should stay, you should, you know, keep, keep going and keep, you know, talking about your opinions and, you know, posting what you believe in and, you know, your thoughts on certain topics, because, the, the amount of the spectrum, the greatest spectrum that we can get on those kind of platforms is better than having just one mm-hmm. voice, you know, an echo chamber of one side. Um, because, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, one one person, you know, one side will think that Twitter is the greatest place on earth and then the other side just thinks it's successful. I think it's good if both sides can recognize the good stuff and the bad stuff on Twitter and just deal with it. I think that's that's the ideal yep. place to be. But there's a lot of things happening in the world today. Uh, it's, it's getting kind of crazy out there. Uh, we, you know, we have the North Korea situation. They are still, you know, there's a, a lot of provocations there with uh, the US and South Korea doing military tests, and then the North Koreans responding with their own missile tests and doing flights near the border. Uh, mm-hmm. That, uh, interestingly, generally speaking, the South Korean population don't really care about what's happening over there. South but, Koreans uh, probably care more about what happened recently with the Halloween party. The what? The whole what? Sorry. The Halloween party. Did you? Yes, that's yeah. uh, the crush there. Um, Stampede. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. You know, obviously, we know it happened. I don't know the full story about like how that happened, but you know, seeing seeing uh news articles where they say a hundred thousand people are in that area you know for this party a hundred thousand people that just sounds like craziness i mean think of like high street in town with a hundred people a hundred thousand people packed in there and everyone's just going i don't know if they're all going the same direction but but then you know. like you know like <laughs> It's not like it's not like a concert or something. It's like it's like a I guess like a party, right? It's like a party yeah, area. It, it but is. I mean, we you literally cannot, you know, you're basically squashed between four people. You know, somebody in front, somebody behind, and then somebody on the left, right. Yep. You know, like 
what's appealing about that? You know, why why was there so many people there? Was there something else happening so, there that was like from understanding Itaewon is a an area where the old US Marines used to be. Mm-hmm. Um and it, I don't know if they are still there, they probably are. Um, but it's become a more of a nightlife area where, you know, young people go there to have fun. Right. It's got a lot of nightclubs, got events, bars, I'm assuming, from what I've heard. Um and so, you know, the reason why there were so many people was because it was the first Halloween since lockdown in Korea right, that, that people sense, yeah. were able to go out and celebrate this. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of people went, including foreigners. And yeah, one thing led to another. By the time um, I got news of it, it was, you know, there were already 151 people dead. Um, yeah, for again, foreigners amount, amongst them. Um, and, you know, it's just tragic, really. Um, I, for one, am not a party person, and I don't really go to that kind of stuff. But, um, but I would never say, you know, it's it's dumb or stupid, and to go there, I think you're young, go and enjoy your life. But also, just being aware of your surroundings, and you know, I guess no one knew that that was going to happen. So, yeah, I, I would awful. probably push back on that. I mean, like, you know, a hundred thousand people in that one area of the city, right? All yeah, on the street. But it's not like a hundred thousand people walked in at the same time. You know what I'm no, but what 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 I'm saying is like, you know, like in the last six months, you know, how many events have been sort of so populated with people because people are coming out of the COVID restrictions and then they're you know able to get back into it, right? So it was mm-hmm. completely foreseeable that something like that was gonna happen. Not the yeah. crush per se, but like the amount of people just converging on this one area, which I mean, from what I saw, the video footage and everything is like, like, I I didn't see how anybody could even do anything in the street because there's literally no room to do it. You can't drink, you can't eat, you can't do anything. It's like completely yeah. crammed in there. I think to your point, the local officials should have done something about it. They should have anticipated this. Yeah, 100%. Some sort of, you know, you know, distributed cops all around have restricted areas and make sure that the traffic flow is you know controlled um that kind of stuff i think definitely the government could have done something about it in anticipation for such a huge event um but yeah i guess on that i i agree with you um but yeah i i don't think most koreans when i say koreans i mean south koreans care about what's going on with the missiles even i didn't know about until checking the news earlier yeah it's um it's it's certainly a um it's it's provocation for countries outside of south korea basically saying and north korea basically saying you know don't don't mess with the peninsula um you know keep away Mm. Um, so we have that going on. Obviously, we have the uh, invasion of Ukraine still ongoing. They did stop mobilization, though, um, Putin. So I guess that's kind of good. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I think I I don't believe. Basically, I don't believe what anything that they're kind of you know putting out. Sure. Um, 
for the most part. So if they say they stopped mobilization, I don't think they actually have stopped mobilization. Or if they have, the number that they mobilized initially was probably um, understated. I think they probably mobilized a lot more people than they said they were, they were going to do. Because, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, there's footage coming out of the this sort of, you know, there's certain regions that have like an ethnic minority and a lot of those places, you know, like tons of the the men have just been um, uprooted from there and taken away. And yeah. there was like riots and things because, um, and you just see it, there's like a wave of just like mothers and wives, like, you, you know, there's not many um, dudes left because they've just been like sort of stripped of all the male males in the town or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, there's been talk that the well they've actually been tracking it the the aid to ukraine has been uh, starting to diminish um there was rumblings that the u.s president president biden actually got into a heated argument with Zelensky um, because Zelensky on a call was asking for more aid and then he was you know biden was saying we've we've already given you so much you know like so many billions of dollars in aid mm-hmm. um and then of of course you have the Nord Stream issue where that one that one's kind of being used as a um a device on both sides to kind of blackmail uh the EU. Mm-hmm. Uh so you know, Russia's come out saying that the uh, British intelligence was were the ones to to do it, uh apparently because they had uh hacked Liz Truss's phone. Which, if that's true, then <laughs> that's a massive, massive security fail on, on the UK side. Um, mm, yep, and another, another cross for Liz Trust. Yeah, I mean she's she's gone now, so yeah. uh, she had a very short and tumultuous, tumultuous uh, stay as prime minister there. Unfortunately, I kind of feel bad yeah. for her, but. Um, yeah. You know, things moving on. Uh, so, you know, we have that sort of stuff going on. So uh, who knows what, you know, next year is going to look like uh, in terms of that 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 war. Uh, certainly the counteroffensive has slowed down for Ukraine, although, you know, Russia is still pulling out heavy equipment from the Kherson region. So who knows what's going to happen with that city. But I heard that a lot of the mobilized forces are going into there. Uh, which makes me very afraid for those people because they're facing very seasoned Ukrainian soldiers who I just think it's going to be a, a big slaughter for both sides, to be honest. Mm. Uh, you have, there's, there's a slowing down of weapons going into Ukraine and also the the EU countries that are giving weapons to Ukraine uh, they sort of some of them are getting dangerously low on ammunition and equipment for themselves to a point where you know they have they might have trouble defending their borders type thing you know if they were attacked so that's a concern uh inflation's still an issue what else have we got uh you know we had the the third uh third term for Xi come mm-hmm. through with a very public display of the former uh, leader 
being removed from the uh you know that event that they were putting on what do they call it the congress or something the uh it's a good question i can't remember it's like their their meeting right their, yeah 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 um but yeah a lot of analysts were saying basically the reason why they did it while the cameras were rolling was basically a a a, a very public um a very public culling of that of that person from the, the party uh to sort of uh disincentivize somebody else from doing the same thing you know kind of like you will be removed you know um in a very public way you you know like i am here to stay basically yep give me a moment i just need to do something real quick mm -hmm. okay i'm back um yeah so the person that was removed was hu jintao who was his predecessor and fought against Jiang Zemin, um, who was the, well, they call him the Toad, um, who's who's been trying to insert his faction in since, you know, he left power. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason, from my understanding, the reason why um, who was trying to so when he was being escorted out, he was trying to get a hold of like um, an an envelope or whatever you call it um, with documents. Dossier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and apparently, in it, labeled the um, the committee or this what they call the standing committee, who are the six people that will be basically um standing right next to she the mm -hmm. the people that will have the most power power after him yeah and it was negotiated that who would have two of his factions sitting on the standing party so in total there are six people mm -hmm. from my understanding there would be at least two um but apparently they removed all of people from his faction, one of them being Li Keqiang, which is um, currently still on the committee, I believe, but is being removed and is being replaced by one of Xi's own protégés, basically, or his no. um, lackeys. Um, the guy worships Xi like a, like a groupie, so... Mm -hmm. He's going to do everything that he can to please she. So essentially that's what happened from my understanding. Is that why um, he was kind of reaching for those papers on the table as he was getting escorted out? Maybe yeah. he, he was trying to see like who was on the list. Yeah, you know, yes. Like, was he on the list or something? Well, was his faction was the people that, that within his faction on the list, um, essentially. Um, but, but they're not anymore. Uh, that's mm -hmm. my understanding of it. And how much of that is true, I don't know. Like, um, from what I've, from the most of the news that I've heard, that seems to be the commonality there. Mm -hmm. um, but again, we, we don't know what the truth is. Obviously, yeah. CCP said that uh, who was just unwell, so we had to escort him out. <laughs> um, oh, man. Which, you know. It's a lot of crap. 
Um, but yeah, that's that's what happened. Um, well, at least that's what the new the Western news said happened. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. So yeah, it looks like so when when she came into power or something, I can't remember, or second term, he basically did away with the terms that he can be elected. The term limits. Yeah, the term limits. Mm -hmm. So essentially made him, you know, to be able to rule forever. Isn't that kind of how the North Koreans do it? You know, they have like... uh... They have elections, but then, you know, like 100% of the population only vote for them because there's nobody else. Yeah. Is that yeah, how it's yeah. going to, you know? Well, the thing it. is, I don't think people actually vote in China. It's really the CCP that vote. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I don't know. I, I'm not Chinese. Um, I'm ethnically Chinese, sure, but I'm not from China. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, basically his term, uh, the amount of, the amount of terms that he can be elected is unlimited. So essentially, if he keeps getting elected, um, then he just keeps staying in power, and um, no one's going to stop him now. Like, <laughs> unless of course he he's kind of already fumbling with this whole zero COVID policy. As probably a lot of people already know, with him <laughs> quarantine people, quarantining people in Disneyland, like. They're doing it everywhere. I've I've seen footage of like the IKEA, Disneyland, <laughs> supermarkets. It's crazy. I, probably not the worst place to be, um, be quarantining. But um, uh, yeah. I mean, Disneyland. Why not? Um, Disneyland would be the worst, right? Because everything's so expensive. You still got to pay. <laughs> do you though? Like, if everyone's already just in there, I'm like, sure you on. do have to pay. Like if you want food and stuff, they'll, maybe they'll give you some bottled water and some buns or something. That well, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess, but yeah, like the whole thing is is just ridiculous. Um, he's trying to make a you know zero COVID, which I mean, even today in um, New Zealand news, they were saying that you know the um, what's it called the immunity against the virus is growing weak with these vaccines maybe i'm not sure i might be wrong um so and also new variants and whatnot so it's sort of like well you know like what's the point of having zero covid like it's probably never going to work out ever but you're just trying to essentially just be in power yeah i mean if you if you look at the most closed off society, which is probably North Korea, you know, they still got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they probably have the least amount of foreign visitors or whatever. Mm. Um, so, you know, like I, it's just untenable, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't it think seems like they're trying, trying to do it anyway. It's essentially saying we're going to stop the flu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The flu is going to travel around however it wants, you know, like the cold's going to happen. You're not going to stop that. Um, but that's what people are doing. Well, that's what she's trying to do, which is pretty. Um, I must say, I don't want to be a, a downer, but uh, 
my level of anxiety around possible World War Three is uh, increasing very rapidly, unfortunately. Okay. Um, what is your reason for that? Well, we have, you know, there are, it seems, I can't remember a time, right, where we have so much instability in so many different parts of the world, right? So you have famine in Africa, places like Somalia, who are in the depths of famine because, you know, partly because of the, um, you know, global economic status right now, but also um, grain shipments from Ukraine not mm-hmm. reaching where they need to go because um, Ukraine is one of the biggest suppliers in the world of wheat and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have instability there. You have uh, in the Americas, obviously, the you know the greatest military power in the world, financial uh, economic power. The U.S. is having its own domestic issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Europe is in the depths of economic crisis, energy crisis, uh, and then they have a war going on as well. Uh, you have North Korea provocations with North Korea. Uh, you know, they're doing missile tests and there's you know shooting missiles over Japan which mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Um, you have China threatening to take Taiwan, you know, uh, and the U.S. saying that they will defend Taiwan. Yeah. Um, you have uh, Iran. Uh, so Saudi Arabia just announced that they had uh, given intelligence to the U.S. to basically say that they're expecting an attack from Iran um, against Saudi Arabia and also um, areas in Iraq as well that that might have U.S. troops. Uh, okay, so, interesting. So, you know, and, and we all know that Iran, China, and Russia are quite close to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of there's like a lot of turmoil happening all over the place. Um, and you know, there's also issues in in Israel and uh, Palestine as well happening right now. But to mention well. Australia as well. Yeah, and um, you know, Israel's having their fifth is it their fifth election in four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they have nuclear weapons. So if, if Iran starts to do things that they don't like, maybe they're going to drop a bomb, and then. Uh, it's just going to escalate from there. And Iran is sending ballistic missiles to Russia to fight in Ukraine. They're also sending drones. Uh, it's just very messy right now. And I think the it feels like there is a there is a a very high tension around the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I I feel it more here than I would if I was living in New Zealand. Mm. Uh, basically because of my location here. And I'm sure if China goes to war in Taiwan, that there's a high likelihood that possibly the US and Japan would get involved. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, Japan being used as a launching site, as well as Guam, Okinawa, those sort of places. Uh, So so there's a very um, high risk of a nuclear attack or something like that. Doesn't... U.S. have a base in the Philippines as well? They have bases everywhere. Uh, 
So the U.S. Army or the, the U.S. military is in South Korea. They're in Guam. They're in Okinawa. They're in lots of different parts in Japan. Uh, I'm sure they are in the Philippines. Um, I'm sure there's presence in Thailand. And I mean, if you look at the map of you know U.S. base locations, they're, they're dotted literally everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, and the U.S. is sending uh, nuclear weapons to Poland, I believe. Poland is like, you know, like... Is it, aren't they neutral? Right? What's that, sorry? Hasn't Poland always been neutral up until recently? Uh, no, they're, they're part of NATO. Okay, I'm probably thinking of someone else then. Um, I think Finland has been neutral for a long time. Sure, But okay. then they have... Uh, they have put their hand up to join NATO. NATO, yeah. No, I think that's one. Um, and they're about. right on the border with Russia as well. So, um, yeah, Russia is really getting. But they know, can't do anything about Anders. Finland, right? Because there technically is no connection there in terms of their history, their people, land. I think Russia right? has a history of invading Finland. Yes, but not like. No, I mean, in terms of like its connection with Ukraine and Russia, you know, how Ukraine essentially used to be the same, you know, the same country as Russia, right? Uh, yeah, it was, I guess it was part of the same kind of federation of yeah. states. Um, and they've got a long history together, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think Finland does have a long history with Russia as well, but probably okay. not in the same way as Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Probably right on that front. So um, what I'm trying to say is, <laughs> with Finland joining the with joining NATO, it's almost like well, Russia really can't do anything about it. Like they can't say, "Oh, we're claiming our land back." You know, like mm, that's not going to really work this time. If you actually do invade Finland, then it's all out war. Like who knows? Maybe Finland's the breaking point. Yeah, it's it's very dicey and. Um... Yeah, I think Russia was threatening Moldova as well. I think there was uh, missiles that were meant for Ukraine. They were overshooting Ukraine and hitting Moldova. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm 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 kind of afraid that an incident like that, where you know the intended target is missed and then somebody else gets hit, maybe somebody in Poland, um, because Poland is basically the the gateway into Ukraine with all the the weapons and things like that. Yep. So if they were trying to target somewhere in ukraine it was close to the border but they missed and then hit a target in poland um which is a nato country mm -hmm. which means if they are attacked article 5 that everyone talks about if they're attacked then everyone has to come everyone in nato has to come help them mm. um you know that could be the big issue uh, and and i it's interesting because i've heard whispers this isn't, you know, people do their own research, but yeah, it's very hush hush. Um, I have heard that if China sees, you have to whisper. Okay, this is ASMR right here. No, <laughs> I guess <laughs> um, if I, I heard that there is some thinking around, um, if if Russia is perceived to be, you know, the, the Russian government is perceived to be on the verge of collapse with this whole war in Ukraine, that China might actually reverse their position and attack Russia. And the thinking behind, because I don't know why you're laughing. 
because there's a very there's there's a history behind this. Um, uh, so basically, there was a time I think it was in the 30s where uh, there's an area called Manchuria, mm. and post World War Two, there was an area that China formerly owned. There was quite a large area around the Korean Peninsula that mm-hmm. was taken by um, is now Russian land. And it's, it's a very large section of land. And um, I think there's some people are thinking that if because Xi doesn't want to risk an all out war with the US over Taiwan, that, he, you know, to sort of shore up more power, he's going to try an, a different avenue. And this is possibly a new avenue, which is if the Russian government is perceived to be weak and that there's t- turmoil in Russia, um, not necessarily a war in Russia, but turmoil politically that China might use that as an advantage to attack them because obviously they don't have many people on their side, right? The mm-hmm. people on their side are people like, you know, countries like Iran and North Korea and those kind of, you know, groups that are sided with China as well. So they might have sort of backdoor communication saying, if it gets to a certain point, we're going to attack Russia and, you know, you can support us in that attack. So there is this thinking yeah. that they might go after Russian land rather than Taiwan. Um, but we'll have to wait and see how that. Yeah, I mean, I can see that happening. Like, I can see that happening. Um, instead of taking over Taiwan, get more resource, get more land, expand. Um, although, I mean, how long can you sustain such a big amount? You know, such a big landmass, specifically talking about China or CCP. Um, but yeah, I can see that happening. That's that's a possibility. Well, we have to we have to um, think that you know Russia is a lot bigger than China, um, and they have how many people is it like 150 million people versus one billion people? So, hmm. um, yeah, I think the way that China can mobilize their own folks. In their own country, um, and, and develop their own country. Yeah, mm. and it's much easier to win a war on feet than to win a war over sea and air, right? Like if they were to cross the borders to Russia, it's much easier. They just walk over, right? Yeah, like a shared border. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um... Whereas China and Taiwan, technically, there's still a strait going through. You still need to get ships out there and then you have to land your troops on foot by, you know, by the beaches, which isn't easy, first of all. Then you need to get your planes over there. And then what about anti-aircraft and um, anti-missile equipment that Taiwan has? It's like, that's not going to be an easy fight. Whereas a depleted Russia, with most of its men being most mobilized... Um, or have already moved out um, of Russia, and not so many people on the east side of it, Mm -hmm. it's much easier to take over. And in a sense, they would be not seen as evil anymore. And if anything, they would be seen as an ally. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's funny. It's actually quite funny if that happens. Yeah. Tragic, but funny. And that's, you know, that's... uh... (laughs) <laughs> that's in Russia's history because, um, you know, in World War Two, when Germany was uh, fighting on the west in the West Europe, 
uh, they actually did a deal with Stalin where they were like, okay, we're not going to fight you. You know, we're not going to fight Russia. Um, and then, you know, a year later, they invaded Russia and almost got to Moscow. So, <laughs> you know, like, mm. they, you know, and, you know, the same thing, allies, you know, in, in, in the war as well, you know, the U.S. became, they were friends fighting the same uh, Nazis, excuse me, and then they became, became mortal en- enemies. So, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of the time people view Russia as sort of like a necessary, in certain c- circumstances, they're a necessary ally. Um, but, you know, in terms of the way that they do business is completely opposite to everyone else. See, the um, thing, sorry, I just thought something. The mm-hmm. thing with China co- uh, taking over or annexing Russia is that it would affect the BRICS um, system, right? That they've got going, uh, which is basically using a different reserve, world reserve, uh, that's based on gold. If they do that, then Russia is going to come pull out of that deal. And who's to say? You know, the other countries wouldn't. Um, the other countries being Brazil and India. Um, that would make the, the dollar even stronger. Because essentially there would be no other reserve currencies that would be able to go against it. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I heard rumblings of that sort of thing. I'm not sure how solid that um, is at the moment. I don't think it's that solid, but a lot of countries are definitely trying to hop on the train. Um, smaller mm-hmm. countries, I think some South, some Latin American countries and even African countries from memory are trying to hop on that train. Um, but who knows? Maybe that, that might happen. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just don't know how much longer Putin can do this. I think he should have pulled out of this war ages ago but something is keeping him in it and um because he will lose everything if he <laughs> well if he's he gonna leaves. lose either way i guess so i guess the the better way to try at least try and if he, yeah, loses, I, think, he loses i think i think because he's annexed those areas i think what he's going to try and do is basically try and hold out until somebody comes to the table and say okay we're going to negotiate. You get this land. We get this land. You get this land. We get this land, and then those new borders will be drawn up. I think that's how he's going to try and uh, pull out of that. Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. Like you're running low on resources. You've been cut off from the world. You're only, you know, you're only selling what aluminium and um, gas, basically natural gas, to the world. Um, yeah, you don't have a lot of things that you can bargain with. I, I, I'm coming from his perspective. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, obviously he miscalculated, but I think that's where he's trying to get the out, is, like, just try and hold out until either the West loses interest or, you know, it just becomes too costly and then people come to the negotiating table. Um, yeah. Before we wrap this up, I've got a couple of uh, little quick news things. Mm-hmm. Um the Washington Post is reporting that the U.S. is exploring, I'm guessing the U.S. government, is exploring whether Elon Musk, oh, sorry, whether they have the authority to review Elon Musk's Twitter deal. So maybe they're going to try and take him to court over that. And finally, um, something that needs to be addressed definitely by the Democratic Party, I would say, 
is Biden was quoted just recently saying, inflation is a worldwide problem right now because of the war in Iraq, dot, 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 excuse me, the war in a Ukraine. I'm thinking about Iraq because that is where my son died. Um, actually, his son died from cancer in a Texas hospital. So I'm not too sure what he's talking about there. But that's the big issue. I don't think Biden was gonna, is going to, if he does run for presidency his second term, I don't think he's going to win um, because that is going beyond gaffes. That is because, you know, when George Bush used to say silly stuff, but it was mm-hmm. kind of like just like, you could tell he just mucked up his words and, you know, like, you know, just mucked it up. Mm-hmm. This sounds like the connections aren't connecting properly. So I am very worried. I don't think he should be in that position. And I think I, I kind of feel like the Democratic Party is kind of because um, they, they don't seem to be helping or trying to defend uh, Hunter Biden anymore. You yeah. know, there's litigation against him now. Yeah. So um, I think maybe they're trying to find an out of the Biden yeah. era, um, yeah. and I feel I feel sorry for for Joe Biden, but I don't think he should. I think people beside him should recognize that he shouldn't be in the position and just step down. Mm-hmm. Well, and he should go retire next to a lake. Yeah. Um, well, that's all the time we have for this week. <laughs> this has been a long one this week, but we had a lot to catch up on. So thank you all for listening and we will catch you next week. Possibly. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye, everyone. Love you.